Game of Thrones Season 5, Episode 3, High Sparrow is over, but we're just getting started here on the Game of Thrones Book Club. Hello, everybody. It's Game of Thrones Book Club time. Woohoo! Yeah, I'm Josh Wiggler, and if you can't fetch me a block, you can at least fetch me a co-host. It's Terry Schwartz. What's up, Terry? I think that might be your best intro yet. Well, it's sad that I have to give that intro. Well, brutal. In fact, are you are you sad? Are you sad that Ollie fetched a sword instead of Ed fetching a block? Um, I'm not devastated. I'm not devastated, but I'm I'm not I'm not pleased. It's, you know, I'm not pumped about it. I would much rather uh, get the block, but it was still a fantastic scene. Apparently, there have been jokes for years about how Dan and David could possibly mess that scene up. Uh huh. <laughs> they did it. And they did it. Like there have been ongoing jokes about what they could have the line be instead of Ed fetch me a block. And it was not. Yeah. Ed. But yeah. Janos Lint is still dead. And on that note, we begin this book club. Mega dead, mega dead. And it was mega awesome. Uh, before we get into any of that, let's just give the prerequisite warning. Uh, this is the Game of Thrones book club. This is the show on post-show recaps that we are covering Game of Thrones for people who have read the books that the show is based on. Uh, if you have not read the books, if you've not read up to and including A Dance with Dragons, get out of here. You're in for spoilers. You're in trouble if you're here. Uh, turn turn this off now. Uh, otherwise, if you're if you're up for listening to spoilers or if you've read the books this is the place for you uh with that i i guess let's let's just launch into it because this episode i think you know we've we've kind of been dancing up to this moment i feel like terry like this is the moment now where we are talking about the big 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 departures uh from the books sansa is officially in winterfell we can talk about that i know we've been teasing at that over the past couple of weeks that's a thing that's happening uh brienne and podrick's storyline seems to be uh, rather different as well of course and uh no no fetching of blocks as well uh so so there's big things going on but terry you have said in the past that episode three is your favorite of the bunch uh of the of the first four that you have seen uh tell me why I think that it's just the best paced. And I realized, as I said, I think it's like last week that this is also an episode with no Danny in it. And I think that really helps the pacing of it. Well, there's like a Danny, almost Danny. There's a Danny, a yeah. Danny, Danny horror in the brothel. There was discussion of Danny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I Do you think, think she was played by Kristen Wiig? You know, that would be like a cool Easter egg. Have you, see, have, you, have you seen this yet today? I haven't watched that. Uh, if you guys don't know what I'm talking Jimmy about. Jimmy Fallon, first. right? Yeah, Kristen Wiig was on Jimmy Fallon promoting her new movie, um, which I can't remember the name of off the top of my head. But it she almost, did a bad job. But it almost doesn't matter because she didn't show up as Kristen Wiig. She showed up as uh, the Khaleesi, as, uh, as a woman named Karen, apparently. It's not Daenerys Targaryen. Her name is Karen. She's the Khaleesi. Very funny stuff. Seek it out. Uh, but yeah, no Danny this week other than uh, Danny and uh, the fake Danny and Volantis. But I I love Sansa's storyline this week. And, you know, like Sansa's not my favorite character or wasn't. But this season, and I think, you know, it largely has to do with the book deviation. But I find that her getting her own agency and actively making the choice to pursue this marriage with Ramsay to save her home, to, to get some justice for her family, to wait it out and play like, I guess like a woman's game um, and just basically get him under her thumb and become the, the 
I'm trying to say Lourdes, which is not the right term for it, but you know, like it's your rule Winterfell, I thought was really exciting. And granted, she and Littlefinger don't seem to know just how terrible the Boltons actually are, which will probably throw a wrench in their plans. Okay, but, well, I'm excited to talk about that because that's not my perspective. On oh, really? No. What is your perspective? Well, I I mean, this, is, this has come up a lot on post-show recaps uh, over the past week that we've been talking about High Sparrow is this question of what Littlefinger says to Ramsay, where he basically says, I don't know you very well. You seem like a good kid. Uh, And a lot of people taking that at face value, taking that literally from Littlefinger that he is saying to Ramsay, like, I don't know you. I have no idea who you are. And that to me runs completely counter to everything that we know about Littlefinger. What's interesting about this debate is I, I can't say one way or the other if, if what Littlefinger is saying is actually, you know, literally true that he does not know who Ramsey is or if it's just, you know, him trying to make Ramsey feel comfortable, trying to make Roos feel comfortable, trying to make people feel like he's actually not up to mischief here. Whereas I, my interpretation is that that's what's going on, that Littlefinger knows exactly who the Boltons are and what they're all about. I can't imagine that Littlefinger throws Sansa into any situation that he isn't pretty close to 100% sure on. Um, so that's, that's my read, but we don't know because this is brand new territory for us. We have absolutely no clue. This, this stuff is not in the books, which makes it really interesting to talk about from the book perspective. But you seem to take it, Terry, literally, that Littlefinger really doesn't know who Ramsay is. Yeah, because in my mind, everyone who's had a horrible encounter with Ramsey Bolton, for the most part, has been either like scared into submission or killed. So I definitely buy that no one very far south of the north is aware of what he's up to. And if maybe a couple of years had passed, yes, maybe word might have spread that the former bastard of Bolton is this awful person but i yeah i think that when Littlefinger says it's weird that i haven't heard anything about you that is very much him seeing if he can glean any new information so you buy that you buy that he I doesn't do. know anything about ramsey yeah awesome i, I like it I, I, think, like I, think he, I think that he he cares about sansa so much that he wouldn't do that he wouldn't send her to this person he would find some other way or but if his plan if his plan is to get the boltons killed and you got to imagine that his plan is to get the boltons killed right i yeah i guess i don't even know <laughs> he tell, he tells her vengeance you know, you yeah. know avenge your family avenge avenge uh, avenge the starks the north remembers he doesn't say that but somebody else does uh, but you know he's basically saying that he's like be a stark go back there and you know do what's right for your family that to me you know screams of uh peter baelish's plan being we're going to we're going to kill the boltons and we're going right. to rule winterfell um that's part of my big master plan so I don't know. To, to me, it seems like he he knows what he is sending her into. And his plan is, you know, for her not to be involved with that for longer than she has to be. Um, but I don't know. Again, no idea. Why do you think Cersei called him to King's Landing? Oh, I have no idea. I, right? It's so weird. It makes me nervous. I have no clue. Uh, there's so much going on that I just don't know. And it's, it's um, you know, it's not great for a lot of people. For me, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. It's, you know, listen, if we can't get to book six anytime soon, at least like we can now kind of talk about Westeros without having a real clue of what's coming up next. That's kind you of know, exciting for me. You know, I had a thought the other day where I realized that just 
unintentionally when thinking about the way the show will diverge from the books in my mind i'm like i've been we've been prepared for everything terrible that's come up until this point and since there's nothing new on like the red wedding level in the future in my mind i'm like you know what like this will be fun to see where things go but then i was thinking about it and i was like inevitably terrible things are going to happen before the end of the show to characters that I like and going forward, it's going to be the show choosing to do that in a way that they might not be based and rooted in the source material. And it makes me mad. (laughs) (laughs) Like you guys have the choice. Don't do terrible things to people, but like, George, I know, but obviously like that will have to happen at some point for someone. All right. Yeah. Uh, So so let's, let's start digging into this a little bit deeper. Of course we are recording, Recording the Game of Thrones book club live this week. Terry, I actually didn't talk to you about this off the air, but we can't do this live next week for no, for, for, reason, for, for reasons. I have reasons. We can't do this live next week, but you and I will we'll get back together. We'll record an audio version of the Game of Thrones book club next week. But right now, you might be watching us live. You might be listening to the archives. That's great. Either way, if you are watching live and if you've got questions for us, uh, we don't have the chat room up on postshowrecaps.com right now, but we do have the YouTube page. You can leave comments in the YouTube page. Uh, you can tweet comments our way, hashtag GOT book club is a good idea. Uh, you can tweet that to at round Howard at Terry underscore Schwartz, and we will uh, be able to, to get to everything that you're, you're saying right now. Um, and for next week, if you want to get us questions, uh, best way to do that is going to be GOT at postshowrecaps.com or postshowrecaps.com slash feedback. You can also leave us a voicemail postshowrecaps.com slash voicemail. We'll be able to play voicemail since it's an audio only. So that'll be really fun. Uh, but that's all the business right now. Let's get into it. We have plenty of questions. A lot of people who sent in questions um, in the over the past few days since the episode ended. Everybody has a lot to say about this episode, specifically Winterfell. Most of our questions have to do with things that are going on in the North. And let's just hop into it because, Terry, you and I seem to be pretty on board with Sansa being in Winterfell. But this is a fair point uh, for the people who are not feeling it. And it speaks to kind of what you just said about how the show, you can be nicer show, you can be nicer than George R. R. Martin. You can be a nicer guy. Uh, this from Ryan Oakley. Hey, guys, normally I'm very pro-show, and I think that some book readers can get very precious and complaining at any small change, but the change with Sansa is a step too far, in my opinion, especially if she suffers a similar fate as Jane, i.e. beating and rape. It's the first change that really hasn't sat well with me. Is this a deviation uh, too far for either of you? Um, and it's actually something I believe if it wasn't last week's book club, it was um, the week before uh, Antonio Mazzaro, uh, one of the hosts here on Post Show Recaps and uh, a man who is obviously very into Game of Thrones and has hosted many of these Game of Thrones shows before uh, and will again, I'm sure he he had I, I saw him in the chat room remarking um, how he is not especially pumped about the Sans and Winterfell thing if they're going the fake Arya route, which will involve a really, really nasty scene uh, with Sansa uh, having to be involved in you know a, a very rapey scene with Ramsey Bolton and potentially Theon um, and correct me if I'm wrong Sophie Turner has said that something very very dark and uncomfortable is happening to Sansa this season I think she has said that in interviews uh, she said that Alfie has said it uh, right. Ewan who plays Ramsey yeah said so it. so it looks like they are gonna go there uh, it does seem like they will go there and you know, in, in my excitement over giving Sansa a really great storyline this season of really kind of pushing her back onto the plot map in a way that she's really kind of not in the books at the moment, um, I, I 
I think that I did overlook this one uh, in terms of just how bad this might be uh, seeing this on the screen. Sophie Turner, a really fantastic actress. I think that she's really breathed life into Sansa in a way that maybe even in the book, Sansa hasn't quite popped. Um, I, I think that, you know, I've, I've been singing uh, Sansa's praises for a while on these Game of Thrones podcasts, and I'm really excited to see what Sophie Turner can do with the Winterfell storyline, but I'm, I'm nervous. I'm not, I'm not looking forward to seeing this particular scene with her. I, it does make my skin crawl a little bit. I'm, yeah, I am with you. I'm very nervous. And in my mind, it's not, if they include the scene, that's one thing. But it's how they land it that's yeah. important to me. Like, you can include it if you prove that there's a reason more than just like, well, we got to follow the books. Um, right. I mean, considering how much, I want you to like. Yeah, considering how much they abandoned from the books, you would think like, don't do this. Don't do this unless you really feel you have to. Don't do this one. Uh, it sounds Especially like they're going to do this one. I mean, just in the fact that Sansa's back at Winterville, I've seen a lot of think pieces and criticisms where you don't, take her away from Joffrey and get her out of his clutches just to be, I mean, I guess if it follows the books raped and beaten by Ramsey Bolton, losing her virginity. Right. And then like, not, not have there be some way to get that back for her. Yeah. Like if, if, if this happens, then like Ramsey Bolton has to die this season. Right. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like, do you think that there's a chance he'll die this season? Yeah. I totally think there's a chance he'll die. I mean, I think that the show has shown that there are certain characters that are either going to die in the books or the story can move ahead without them. Like, um, you know, Jojen Reed is gone. Jojen Reed might be paced in the books. He's absolutely paced on the show. Uh, we don't know if he's going to die in the books. He's, you know, for all we know, is still alive unless you subscribe to the Jojen paste theory. Um, you know, Mance Raider is alive in the books. Um, although I don't remember off the top of my head, does he, in the pink letter, does, does Ramsey write that he killed Mance Raider. I don't, I don't remember. Someone can correct yeah. me. Um, yeah. But I'm, I mean, I believe in the Pink Letter. He at least acknowledges he knows uh, that Mance Raider is here, uh, right. either captive or killed. I can't remember off the top of my head. But, you know, Mance Raider is uh, alive in the books. He's dead on the show. So people have died on the show that are still alive in the books, important characters. Um, and for me, in a lot of those cases, it does indicate that either these characters are not going to be super important going forward or they are going to die moving forward. I could see Ramsey dying at the end of the season, even though he's not dead in the books yet, it could just mean that he's about to die in book six, you know, given everything that's going on with, you know, the, the battle uh, at Winterfell with Stannis moving forward on the Boltons uh, does not seem implausible that the Boltons won't make it out of that alive. Um, so for Sansa or Reek or somebody to kill Ramsey or Roos or both by the end of this season, totally buy that. I think that that's absolutely doable. Where would you need this storyline to end this season for Sansa for you to be okay with it? Uh, for me to be okay with the um, the the rape scene, the rape, if, yeah, if they do it, I, she's got to, you know, Theon's got to get her out of Winterfell. Uh, they got to get intercepted, if not by you know the Iron Islanders, because it seems like they are not going to be a huge factor here. They got to be uh, intercepted by um, the Baratheons, by Stannis's army, by Davos, maybe. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that Theon and Sansa have to escape Winterfell this season for me to be okay with them including the scene. There's got like they can't leave Sansa on. A really down note this season or i'm gonna be pretty pissed I won't yeah i just i feel like we've waited so long for her to have this backbone and for her to have this agency and, and for her to be this interesting and fun of a character that if she ends up being like cowed and beaten and having that taken away from her by ramsey 
in my mind, that would be a huge mistake. Yeah. But I feel like they've made such a point of building her up to this. And they've said, she's a, a character we really enjoy. And we wanted to give her a better, more powerful storyline for them to say that in my mind means that she's going to keep those elements that she's developed. Yeah. We just got a tweet in from Alex Koontz who wrote in, could the devastating scene involve Miranda instead of Sansa? Uh, Miranda is a character who actually came up on the game of Thrones feedback show that I recorded with Rob Sesternino this week. Uh, Rob is not paying her too much mind, even though Miranda seemed to be throwing super amounts of shade at Sansa when Sansa rolled into Winterfell, but Miranda, not a factor in the books really either. Do you think that Miranda is going to play more of a role here in Winterfell moving forward? Do you think that um, she could be involved in this scene somehow instead of Sansa or in addition to Sansa? I mean, they didn't plant that look for nothing. Like they're clearly going to do something with her and her jealousy or whatever. Uh, But something that someone mentioned to me that I thought was interesting is, did you read the Sansa chapter from Winds of Winter? Yes. There's a Miranda there and she sort of seems to have like a, pointed relationship with Sansa. So I wonder if this Miranda and Winterfell storyline will parallel parallel that in any way. Um, if if Miranda is a Miranda, who is Sansa? Is she is she a Charlotte? Is she a Samantha? Is she a Carrie? Uh, you don't have an opinion. I don't have an opinion. I this just came this, up this came up on the feedback show. This might surprise you, but I did not watch Sex Have you never City. watched an episode of Sex in the City? Maybe I've watched like an episode. It's not bad. It's I'm going to say it. I, I kind of like it. I feel like Entourage is the LA show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's probably fair. That's probably happy. Fair. Happy book club. Guys. Uh, I think, I think it could be that instead of killing Ramsey, she could kill Miranda. Um, you know, they could leave, they could leave, they could leave Ramsey alive by the end of season five and some, and somehow some way on the way of escaping, um, Winterfell, like Miranda, somehow this season kind of becomes like this big bully character, you know, this real antagonist in Sansa's life. I could see Sansa just shanking her on the way out. Well, I feel like Ramsey isn't going to be happy if Miranda starts causing trouble. Even if he's causing trouble, he doesn't want Miranda to be doing it. And like jealousy doesn't serve anyone. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, All right. Well, let's let's keep moving on in Winterfell. Lots of questions about Winterfell this week. Uh, First off, Matt Campbell. We've got two Matt Campbell questions on Winterfell. Matt, first one, uh, the first one he writes is the show is just trolling Sansa at this point, right? She might end up marrying one of Kyburn's creatures at this point. And would that be better than (laughs) Ramsay? The show is trolling Sansa at this point. Dude, what did you think about that scene with the mountain? I know we're jumping away. We, but... are, we are jumping away. We'll, we'll get into that. But uh, I mean, it's awesome. You know, the, the mountain being Robert Strong is highly suggested in the books, but not confirmed. It's one of the most popular theories. I think you got to imagine that this confirms that the mountain and Robert Strong are one and the same. Um, I, I have friends who haven't read the book message me and be like oh he moved yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. i forgot that this is still an exciting thing he people. moved he moved it, it is still absolutely an exciting thing we talked about that on the live show on sunday night rob who obviously has not read the books um asked me if that was if that was going to be some version of like a frankenstein mountain and i said um i said something to the effect of that's a strong theory <laughs> So I've, I'll pat myself on the shoulder. Yeah, I, that's good. That's I, I good. That was better than your sex in the city. Mark. It was better than my sex in the city joke for sure. Uh, but no, no, the mountain for sure coming back. But what do you, what do you think? The show is absolutely trolling Sansa at this point, right? Does that mean that Sansa is, is this like going to be like a, like a final trolling or is this, we're putting Sansa through all of her paces because Sansa has to have a happy ending. Um, 
I'm asking asking the person who thinks that Daenerys Targaryen is going to die. Uh, I don't know if you think that there's a happy ending involved. At this point, you can't do all this stuff to Sansa and not redeem it by having her at least live until the end. Kill her in the last episode, fine, but like, don't make her go through all this for nothing. Right. So maybe the Ramsey thing is just building up something even better. I like the idea, and this sort of go, ties in with um, the woman saying the North remembers to Sansa and how we've seen the North be a bit insubordinate to Stannis and to the Boltons. Um, but I really am on board with the idea that Sansa can end up being the savior for her family yeah. in a way that everyone else has failed. Like, if it's Sansa of everyone, yes, I'm on board. I want that. And if okay. you're trolling her for that purpose, fine just have troll, a- troll away troll away troll okay uh, and this is the second one from matt campbell matt campbell writes is this out of character for Littlefinger to plot and show his hand so openly the whole of westeros is about to know that he's had sansa and who he's aligning with so let's let's talk about that you know we, we've kind of hashed out our feelings on um how much does Littlefinger know about the boltons but what do you think about this this really bold move he says every gamble uh has to be a big move like every big move is a gamble i think is what he says to roos um what do you think of this idea that Littlefinger in bringing sansa to the boltons marrying sansa to ramsey bolton is going to make it clear that Littlefinger has had sansa the whole time and sansa is a suspect in the death of joffrey um what what do you think about this is this too bold for Littlefinger? is it out of character well, isn't she still technically married to Tyrion, too? Yeah, technically, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I sort of mentioned this last week when I explained my theory about the necklace uh, from Dorne and that if that was Littlefinger doing it, maybe he was trying to distract Cersei to the south so that she wouldn't be paying attention to the north. Um, yeah, that, I guess that's part of the problem is, like, changing the characterization of Littlefinger. But I saw... Some it was like Dan and David or maybe Aiden Gillen. Someone gave an interview where they were like, "This is something where a move where his power is trumping his desire for power is trumping his like desire for Sansa, yeah, essentially." And that maybe this is a mistake, but this is like a move that he's doing purely for power, more power. Yeah, uh, and and then from um, from the Boltons' perspective, I've seen a lot of people who are kind of like, "Why are the Boltons doing this? The Boltons are in the position of power that they're in because Tywin Lannister put them there. They, you know, they have this alliance with the Lannisters. Isn't this really going to ruin what they've got going on with the Lannisters if they are uh, getting into bed with the Starks?" Um, and I think that the answer to that is on the show already. I think yeah. that I think that Roos explains that fairly well, where he's like, "Tywin Lannister's dead. I have zero confidence in the Lannisters." and Baratheon regime that's in King's Landing right now. We're in the North. The North hates us. Nobody likes that we're here in Winterfell. We got to do what we can to, you know, kind of appease the people that we are surrounded by. We're not going to get any reinforcements sent our way. Uh, The Lannisters do not come this far. Uh, It is very rare. Uh, You know, we we saw them, obviously, King Robert. We saw that once. (laughs) We saw that once, and it doesn't really happen very often. So Roos is saying, we're not getting any help up here. We got to help ourselves. And this helps them. You You know, having whether or not it's going to help them completely, probably not because they're the Boltons and they're the worst. Um, but at least in their minds, like, you know, this is something we can do to hold on to our position as the wardens of the North. We can get in league with the Starks and the rest of the North who, you know, all they do is revere the Starks. We will at least have a powerful alliance that way. And that'll be good. So I think that he's, he's basically, you know, kind of forsaking his his deal with with the Lannisters, but I think he's doing it knowingly, and I, right. I get where he's coming from. 
And, you know, with the way that things are in King's Landing, who really knows how that's going to shake out? It's just not a solid, sturdy thing without Tywin Lannister in the mix anymore. So I think that the show answers that one pretty well. Yeah, I think that that is there. And also, if you like, Cersei and Jaime are not strong Lannisters. No. Especially not where they are right now. Like, I, that's one thing that I, has sort of shocked me about Jaime is how he feels like such a weak character to me now. Um, just in terms of, like, he'll do what Cersei t- tells him, but he doesn't have his own agency and he's not doing anything for his own purpose and he's not standing up for himself. He's just sort of filling the role he feels he needs to fill. Uh, so I would like that's why that's why I hope that Cersei is the one who's setting Jamie up and not Littlefinger with this whole ruse of the sand snakes Uh, I really hope that Cersei has thrown has thrown this at Jamie because I think that Jamie really needs something to get him to that place that he's in at the end of a feast for crows where he's crumpling up Cersei's letter and is not going to ride back to King's Landing to save her Uh, and I feel like we have to emotionally get to that point yeah and right and right now I don't I don't know what's going to get us there other than him finding out that Cersei screwed him over. I mean, I guess it could still be a little finger thing. Um, and Jamie can go to Dorne and find out, you know, firsthand from Doran Martell and Alaria and the sand snakes. He can find out that they didn't send this thing and he can make the mental leap of, Oh, well, Cersei totally boned me on this one. Uh, and you know, she doesn't actually have to have been the one who did it. And that would still get him to that place. Right. He, he needs to get to that place. And that needs to, you know, that needs to happen. And we need to see some savvy from Cersei on that, on that end. I think. Yes, I agree. Uh, let's take another one from, from Winterfell. This is from Kevin. Kevin wrote in, Hey, Josh and Terry, when I was doing a rewatch on the last episode, I noticed a small detail in the conversation of Littlefinger and Sansa. He says she is the eldest surviving child of Eddard and Catelyn Stark. He doesn't call her the last surviving child. Does this mean he knows about Arya or maybe even Bran and Rickon? What do you think about that? Do you think that Littlefinger has any clue about any of the other Starks? I mean, if he doesn't know about Ramsey Bolton, he probably doesn't know about the other Starks. Yeah. But maybe. You think that's just like a dialogue mess up? I mean, it probably is specific for a reason. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, uh, I could it, see, listen, and that's also subscribing to the belief that he doesn't know who he's talking to with the Boltons. And I think. Right. And. If they're going to do the thing where the North tries to bring back Rickon for whatever reason, because he's supposed to be in Skagos instead of having the North remembers Rickon. Does anyone really? I remember Rick. I remember you, Rick. On. <laughs> um, my post that I did last year about how I was like Game of Thrones season five will continue asking where is Rickon yes. uh, still pops up every once in a while, so that makes me happy. Some go. people remember. Uh, yeah, but I mean, maybe maybe he's heard rumors that uh, Rickon is in Skagos, like what Manderley heard in the books, and maybe that will come into play all right well we'll talk about rick on again in a, in a couple of minutes here uh before we, we will yeah, we will. yeah we'll bring rick on up again well you'll see it, it's gonna happen Absolutely. uh here, here we go so let's, let's take one from our philly the sansa and winterfell story and its imminent convergence with stannis attack on the keep have the potential to answer so many of our lingering questions from dance how closely do you expect those plot lines to mirror what we got in the books? And do you think by episode 10, we will move beyond the cliffhangers George left us with in 2011? And I guess that, that kind of speaks to what we've already been talking about here, Terry, uh, this idea that 
maybe, um, you know, like a Ramsey Bolton could die by the end of season. Right. Five. Like that's not out of the realm of possibility. What, what do you, what do you think though? Do you think that any of this stuff is going to move significantly beyond where we are? No, I think it's going to be worse. I think we're going to have more players on this show than we have in the books. What do you think? What, what, how do you feel like the Winterfell story is going to conclude and the Stannis story is going to conclude this season? Hmm. I mean, I feel like Stannis will probably march on Winterfell. But you don't year. think we'll get a big battle. Yeah, I mean, I we have Hard Home as our big battle. Like we already know that well, there's an episode of, title called Hard Home. Yeah, yeah, and we've seen like they've talked about how like there's this epic battle scene, and it seems from like all the photos and videos that have come out that'll be what it is. Um, so I feel like it'll be Santa's marching, and with Sansa, I I mean, when we leave Theon, he's escaped last in dance and I wouldn't be surprised if Sansa and Theon escape together or just Theon maybe to get someone to help him save Sansa. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's take this from Paul. Paul writes in, I hope that Sansa takes over for Manderly slash Lady Stoneheart. As book readers, it's nice to finally get some payback to the phrase and Boltons and Feast Dance. I hope they don't deprive the TV viewers of this. Uh, you kind of touched on this, I feel like maybe last week, Tara, you kind of talked about um, how there's there are theories going around right now that Sansa on the show is going to replace Lady Stoneheart in the books, right? In terms of getting vengeance. Right, right, right. Like filling out that role, not right. in terms of getting her throat slit and then coming back as zombie Sansa. I don't think we're getting that. I don't think that's going to happen. But I, right. but I mean, it doesn't seem like we're getting um, Manderly, at least not yet. Um, he, he hasn't been cast as far as I know. Um, we haven't heard about the Manderleys this season, really. I, I will be as pleasantly surprised as anybody if Manderly pops up, but I could see him not popping up on the show. Um, do you think that Sansa is going to be the person who's kind of running around doing some of this stuff, like, you know, getting some vengeance on the Boltons and Freys, or is that going to go to somebody else or is it not going to happen at all? I think it's got to happen. I think we talked about this before too, with like Edmer and whether we'll see Walter Frey again. And I feel like you can't not bring those characters back and resolve those storylines in some way. And I like the idea of it being Sansa, who's just like, fuck it. Like, yeah, I got this. Don't worry. I'm going to kill the people. I know. I'm going to kill everyone on Arya's list. Yeah. Um, pie? But I think I was telling you, I, I don't think we're getting Frey pie. Sadly, oh, man. I, I hope that we I hope we get Frey Pie. How could you uh, listen? It's one thing to ditch fetch me a block, but to ditch Frey Pie would really be I mean, kind like, of a disaster. All I need is like someone eating pie in their wedding scene. I don't need like give me a nod. You know, if 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 um if Benioff and Weiss, if the writers of the show, if they want to condense if, instead of you know expanding by adding characters, by bringing in you know a Wyman Manderly who you know takes up a lot of room, and I swear that wasn't a fat joke. Uh, by you know he takes up a lot of character room by by adding a new character that you now suddenly have to get invested in for the for the people who only watch the show. Um, you can give a lot of the stuff that he did to Theon, probably. Uh, you oh, know, that's interesting. You I know, was thinking maybe they would bring back the Great John. Yeah, I, I know you you say that a lot, but the fact that he has he had, I would love that too. But he hasn't appeared on the show since season one, I think. And mm -hmm. I I feel like the actor in Game of Thrones must have just parted ways. So we just aren't. I don't think we're ever getting the Great John again. Um, but I think that this is something you could give to Theon. You know, there's lots of compelling theories that he's the ghost of Winterfell. He's the guy who's running around and assassinating people and pushing people off of ledges and things like that. Um, and if the show goes that route, if the show confirms that, uh, very easily, you know. 
baked into that storyline could be some phrase baked into some pies at Theon's hand. Uh, I could see that happening. I think sure. our tinfoil hats are on very tight. I, I don't think that Theon is going That's around the whole doing point. This is a tinfoil hat podcast. Now, can we change the name? This isn't book club anymore. It's tinfoil hat. Yeah. Tinfoil, tinfoil pod. Uh, I would like to see it though. I would like yeah. to see it. Uh, well, let's stick with Theon for a second. Cause I think that this is, I don't think that this is too tinfoil hat. Maybe you'll disagree, Terry. Um, okay. This is from, this is from Phil, the issues guy. Phil writes in my question for the show. Do you, do you, do either of you think that the crow slash Raven that we focused on for a second when Theon was looking at the bodies was our brand cameo of the season? I just found it funny how the shot hang there to maybe foreshadow a later event of brand talking with Theon. What do you think about that, Terry? Cause I noticed this too, before Phil pointed out anything. Um, I I noticed it was the first thing that I noticed in that scene of, whoa, a raven there. And we're really focusing on the raven and Theon in the same scene. Um, And there is a lot of stuff, if you read between the lines in A Dance with Dragons, of Theon is interacting with Bran through the Weirwood. Um, In the the sample chapter of Theon that's been released for the Winds of Winter, there's very, very, very compelling evidence that he's talking to to Bran through some ravens there. What do you think of this, Terry? Do you think that there is um, something to this idea that Bran is in that raven that we see here in Theon? Or do you think that we at at least are getting some foreshadowing of Bran coming back this season through Ravens. Well, I don't think Bran will come back this season. Well, not in the flesh necessarily. You don't think that we'll even get, you know, some of his, uh, his... So. just the way they've talked about it. I don't think they're being coy. What if they're, like, what if they're talking about it that way so that they can surprise us? Yeah. Like we said about Lady Stoneheart last year. Yeah. <laughs> that was so as hard as well, Here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. I did not have that thought but it's certainly an interesting thought and if it is foreshadowing or setting that up i'm very interested the way i read it was that he just couldn't take looking at the bodies and needed to find something else to look at and like we could feel i could feel his horror and disgust through him not being able to look straight at it um and that was almost worse than him just like drinking it in yeah. So that was how I read it, which is not tinfoily. Well, that's not a, that's not as fun. I know it's not as fun. So let's just say the brand thing is. Happening. Let's say let's say the brand thing is happening. I got a lot of people who asked about the brand thing. Our good our good buddy Brendan Fitzpatrick wrote in with the same idea. Uh, will we get brand like talking it. through talking through the tree and the godswood to Theon and or Sansa? I sure hope so. I sure hope so, Brendan. I sure hope so, Phil. I sure hope so, everybody who wants to see this because it would be dope. All yeah. right. It would be neat. It would be. I, cool. I want it. I want it. I'm on board. All right. Let's talk about some people who are on the way to Winterfell that are not quite at Winterfell yet. This is from Ashley Steen asking about Brienne and Podrick. Uh, Ashley writes in, I couldn't help but feel that there was a little bit of foreshadowing of the end of Pod when he was telling the story of him almost being hanged. Brienne and Podrick are still together in the woods, not doing much. Can we please say that there's still a chance that they run into the Brotherhood? Um, It's I I didn't catch that, honestly. you know, Podrick's story that he says to Brienne about how he came to be um, Tyrion's squire uh, was because he was, um, you know, he was he was hanging out in, in Casterly Rock and all this stuff. And, a ham. Yeah, and the, and the knight that he was with stole the ham and got hanged for it. And Tywin, uh, just because he recognized his last name as Payne, sends him to um, King's Landing to work for Tyrion instead of getting hanged. Um, I didn't connect that that could be, you know, Podrick getting hanged by Lady Stoneheart at the end of Feast for Crows. Did you make that connection at all? I did not. 
Um, I didn't make it either. Um, I would, I would love to see the brotherhood without banners again. I hope that we do at some point on the show. Maybe he, Richard Dormer was at the London premiere. Who is that? Who does he, he play? plays? Barrick. Okay. Well, maybe who knows, but I, I mean, they would have to have been doing some traveling because right. geographically we are, you know, with where Brienne and Patrick are, they are not close to where we last saw the brotherhood there. I think it's sort of funny that like, we're talking about how her storyline has diverged, but she's still just like traveling. She's traveling, but she has a destination in mind. She knows where she's going. What is she going to do? Sansa doesn't want her. What is she going to do? It might not have anything to do with Sansa, but it could have something to do with some other things. You know, uh, we can we can we can talk about Rickon now. How about this? This is from yeah. Cassius Flay. Uh, Cassius Flay wrote in and said, "Am I being an optimist to think that there might be something more to Brienne and Pod's storyline?" Uh, I heard Josh say on the live podcast that he knows how they are going to get past Moat Kalen. I don't, by the way. If I said that, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, could could we see either the White Harbor or Skagos Link? Uh, could Brienne maybe try to find one more Stark? Uh, or even more, could we get a spoilery trip through the marshes and run into Howland Reed? Um, what do you think of Cassius's idea? Do you think that Brienne and Podrick, could that be our road into Rickon? You know, Davos does not seem to be on the path of going out and finding Rickon yet or anything like that. Um, it could be something that we see here uh, with Brienne and Podrick. Could that be a storyline that they're getting instead of Davos? I mean, I would love that, especially since they're in the North and she has got to, I mean, people up there know that Bran and Rickon aren't actually dead. Maybe she overhears it from the North Remember Serving Woman and that sets her off on a new path because she can't help Sansa or maybe Sansa doesn't need help by the end of the season. Um, God, it would, it would be, be nice for her to actually like hang out with a Stark for more than five minutes. Right. And without not the Stark away. either wanting her dead or just to go away. That Howland Reed reference, like if we could be so lucky, if they are going to do Ariane, if they are going to do Young Griff, if they aren't going to do Manderly, then like we haven't even met Howland Reed necessarily in the books. So, but I, I'll subscribe to that theory. Maybe we're going to get a walk through the marshes. Yeah. We also got, I'm gonna we, cry we, no. we just got a tweet from uh, Dylan1066 who wrote, Brienne hates Stannis and both are headed to Winterfell. This is something that came up on the feedback show. Yeah, with, that's the thing I think they're setting up. With Rob this week, Rob and I talked about where, where he thinks that, um, that that is going. Are we going to, you know, Brienne mentions during her talk with Pod how it was uh, a, a shadow with the face of Stannis Baratheon and uh, uh, that means he's a man and a man can be killed. Um, you know, in the, in the books, Brienne is nowhere close to Stannis. So anything like that isn't really happening in the books unless they can do some serious gymnastics to get us there. But mm-hmm. what do you think the show is going to do? Is the show setting up a Brienne and Stannis showdown? That's what I read it into that line, to be honest. And I still don't really know how exactly they'll come together or under what circumstances. Um, but I thought it was really interesting that she's currently motivated by her, you know, honor and loyalty to both um, Catalan and Renly, if you right. think about it. And like her Catalan thing didn't work out so well. So of course she would go back and be like, okay, well, I'm also going to do this. Um, so I think that's really interesting. And what will Brienne do if she feels like she fulfills both of those promises? Yeah. Yeah, could be could be fun stuff. Dylan also wrote in, um, could Brienne become the ghost of Winterfell? 
I don't think so. You don't. She's. You know. This is. She's another, not very ghostly. This is she's another. Sort of hard to miss. <laughs> that's another thing that I talked about with Rob on the feedback show this week. Of like, stealth is not really Brienne's strong suit. Yeah. Uh, I will. I think she like had, a sore thumb. I think she had the most fun line of the uh, episode, though, with just her. Oh, I know where they're going. Like, I thought that delivery was so funny. It makes me laugh every time I see it. Yeah, how how quickly do you think Brienne's going to get to Winterfell? Quickly or not quickly? At Brienne's pace, if this is like book pace, Brienne, it's not going to be fast. Let's put bets over under episode seven. Uh, yeah, I think that sounds about right. Yeah, maybe we won't see Brienne for a little while. Uh, also, thank you, Paul, the issues guy, for sending in this photo of me that is apparently the screen grab. Oh my God, that's fantastic. That's, you know, it's something. Yeah. This, if you guys, isn't, this isn't a sexual book club. If you, okay. if you guys can't see that, it's, uh, it's Terry giving the Kevin McAllister uh, has just shaved his face look in the mirror. That's basically what it is. So thank you. Thank that's, you for all the issues, guys. That's, 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 what I'm, that's how I'm going to describe that. Uh, all right, let's, let's stay in the North. Let's, uh, let's talk about John. Let's go to the wall. Let's talk about this. You know, we, we, we joked about it a little bit before, but let's dig into it at least for a little while. Um, from Dave DeRosa, I'm a little upset that they didn't have John say, Ed, fetch me a block. It's one of my favorite lines in the whole book series. Instead, we get Ollie, get my sword. It just isn't the same. Uh, You, Terry, had mentioned that for years, people were talking about how David and Dan are going to mess up this scene. Do you think that they messed up the scene? Is this such a big offense to you that you would say that the Jano Slint execution scene is a fail? No. And like, I get being hung up on certain lines being great. Mine is, and in the end, he did not shake gold. And obviously we did not have that on the show. But I think that, the tone and the pacing and the, the execution pun not intended uh, of this scene was all like what I would have wanted for the Lord commander scene, but didn't get like you're wondering up until the very last moment, is John going to go through with it? And then he does. And it's just like, so badass. It's such an awesome introduction to John Lord commander. Uh, and so I think that they did a really good job with that. And Jon Snow, I looked at Twitter afterwards, that was like the trending topic that people were talking about more than Game of Thrones. Like people were so excited about Jon and this turn for him. And the man who, uh, what, carries a sentence must swing the sword. Right. We see him do that right after Danny did not. Um, so, yeah, I, I really. Oh, so that means that scene. leadership is going to work for Jon and not for Danny here, huh? Well, everything's going to go really well for John. Everything's going to go well for everyone on this show. They just end happily ever after this season. And they're all just super stoked in sunshine and spring for the next two. Oh, man. Spoilers. Super sunshine and a dream for spring. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I loved the scene. I mean, the, it, it's hard to get too mad when you see the way that they shot the actual execution. Um, mm-hmm. Just like the unflinching flinging of Jano Slint's head was insane. Uh, you know, special effects have come a long way on the show. I feel like that's, that's one of the most impressive things to me was, was this, um, you know, was it practical? Was it digital? It's hard, hard to say how they did it. Uh, you know, just looking at it, but just like having like the camera on Jano Slint very much alive and then just seeing long claw fall down on the back of his neck and his head just falling off in one clean move. It yeah. was, it was really 
kind of beautifully done in like its own sick, twisted way. So I think that the actual execution was amazing. And I think that what you're saying about Jon Snow being a, a trending topic really speaks to the popularity of this moment. I remember after um, Dance came out, um, towerofthehand.org, one of the fantastic uh, websites surrounding uh, A Song of Ice and Fire, they have... Um, they when when the book comes out they kind of um they do like a a chapter by chapter rundown where you can either read synopses and have um you know kind of like comment sections on everything people can come together and talk about each of the chapters and one of the other things that they do in that section of the site is like they rank the chapters you know just based on like user submitted feedback um Mm -hmm. which chapters were were the best um and for a very long time i think that this chapter was number one I don't know where it is currently, but I remember very close after dance had been released, you know, in like the couple of weeks afterwards as people were just starting to read it. This chapter was high, 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 high up well, on I the think list. In a moment, it's exactly what you want John yeah. to be doing. It's exactly yeah. who you want him to be. And they did include the Stannis nod, which I know people totally. are excited about. Um, in such an important moment for both of those characters, for John to see that he does have this respect from Stannis. Yeah, the fact that they have the Stannis nod in there, you know, like sure they don't have fetch me a block, you know, it, it would be great to have that line, but it's not like they neglected all of the details from the chapter. Uh, the Stannis nod is so subtle that they really didn't have to have it on the show, but it's such a brilliant moment between the two characters in the books. Um, and it really speaks to this thing that, that Davos says to John earlier in the episode, like, he thinks highly of you, uh, you know, he, he sees something in you and all this stuff, and having Stannis give him that nod there you definitely you definitely feel that uh so that was a cool little that was a cool little wink and nod to the to the books i think i subscribe to the theory as well that they're laying ollie on thick for a reason like he's been in every john scene since the first episode yeah i don't want to like go into it because it could be a show spoiler but like go on reddit look up the theories about what people think ollie is going to do this season and i'm very much on board with that yeah, we, we talked about this in last week's book club that um, could Ollie be taking over for Bowen Marsh on the show? Uh, and, you know, when that idea was floated out last week, I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, that sounds really good. That sounds like it's happening. Um, you know, with the with with everything that happened this week, with just how close he is to John, um, no doubt about it. Yeah. No doubt about it that Ollie is going to be putting a dagger in Jon Snow by the end of this season. That is yeah. absolutely happening. 100%. So to me... Even though the Ed Fetch Me a Block sucks, like, fine. I, that line never really was, like, a huge one for me. So I don't feel a lot of emotional connection to them not having it in there. Uh, sorry, anyone who's offended by that. Uh, but to me, there's, like, if that's what they're doing with Ollie, which I don't see how they cannot be doing that with Ollie, uh, it's got a clear plot reason behind the change, and fine. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I'm all right. Um, anything else from from the wall this week that you want to talk about with John? I thought the, the Davos conversation was interesting, but I feel like it's just going to set up things to come. Is Davos uh, just going to stick on the wall or are they going to send him off? Anywhere? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Hard to say. Hard to say. Um, we're wondering that about Sam as well. Samwell as well. I feel um, like Samwell is going to stay at the wall. Yeah, I think so too. All right, let's um, let's talk about something that I don't I don't know how much we need to talk about from from a book perspective, but I, I just have this next on my docket. Um, I think that the that the Arya Stark stuff this week was really great. Um, I think that they're doing a really good job with the House of Black and White. Uh, the scene of her 
hiding Needle, you know, throwing everything else Arya Stark away, but keeping Needle, I thought was really, really true to the books and, and felt really good. Um, but, but more than that stuff, uh, Terry has a unique perspective on the Arya scenes this week. Um, as you know, if you guys are regular listeners of Game of Thrones Book Club, uh, a few weeks ago, Terry was able to tell us a little bit about the time that she went to the set of Game of Thrones um, last year. And this was the episode that you got to see. You got to see some of what Arya filmed this week, right? Yeah, so I actually, that opening scene from the show is, a, I observed a portion of it, basically Maisie sweeping, but then going and having that conversation with conversation with Jock and where she's like, I didn't come here to sweep, I came here to train. Uh, and she's such a punk this season, right? She's yeah. being such a little brat about it all. Um, but it well, was I, really, I mean, I'd be disappointed if I went to ninja school and I had to like... Well, I just, I love how things. entitled she is at this point. And like, totally, I get it. But it's really funny having her show up and feel entitled and jocking or whoever be like, what? Like, what did you think you were going to be doing here? Like, well, I mean, she's like... I'm so good at killing people. Just like train me to kill people even better. I'm already yeah. better than like all of your other students who are at baseline. Like give me, give me, give me something to do here. Oh my God. And the waif and her going like at it. I Go really, going at it. What, do you, what do you think? What do you think of the waif? Do you think that they're doing a good job with that character? Yeah. I mean, she was sort of a very, I never had a face for her in the books which is probably for good reason. Um, so, but I think that like that sort of training will be really interesting. I just want to see like actual face magic uh, later. But so getting away from my set story, um, I put out a couple articles about it and it was like fun. We just chatted between takes. Like I spoke with Maisie and Tom and Brian Cogman um, and Dave Hill, who wrote next week's episode. He's like a new writer this season. Uh, and one thing that I thought was sort of fun was that Tom and Maisie, Tom who plays Jock and Maisie plays Arya, had a lot of questions about like the set for the House of Black and White, the interior, who the gods were, how they all played together. Um, and so they like, that more than anything else was their biggest question with their storyline this season. And, uh, and those shots inside the House of Black and White where they're, they're showing all the various deities, I think could be confusing for for show fans who don't know about the whole what the faceless men do and and what the many face god is uh so i really like how they establish that and i think that set is just gorgeous yeah well it's going to be interesting to see how all of that stuff plays out um i feel like uh i feel like some of the faceless man action um it, it's um that sounds dirty for some reason uh, i think i think that some of the stuff with the faceless man uh could could be confusing for people depending on how it gets sold to to show only viewers but hopefully hopefully people will like it it's it is a little strange to have all these like face changing assassins but i think that it could be good uh, i'm real i can't wait until aria goes blind i'm just waiting for that I know. I like, I, I think we've talked about this. Like, are they going to have it be the cliffhanger of the season? No, are they no, have no, it no. be the cliffhanger of an episode? No way. Yeah. If it's, it might not even be a cliffhanger of an episode. That's one thing. I mean, we're not really talking about or haven't talked 
much about like, you know, a lot of these chapter ending moments uh, that could be fantastic episode cliffhangers, like John beheading Jano Slint. Like that is, that was not the final scene of this episode that kind of happens, you know, three quarters, maybe even the middle of the way through the episode. Uh, there are all of these like big moments. I feel like that could end the episode, um, but they are, they're going with other stuff. Like you could, you could see how Arya waking up blind could be a really great cliffhanger. Maybe that's a cliffhanger we'll get, but I don't think it's guaranteed. I think that, I, I think that one of the, one of the things that that's happening with, you know, condensing feast and dance into one season and playing all of this stuff at the same time. For me, it makes me realize just how much actually does happen in those yeah. two books when you consider the two books as a single entity, uh, which is why a lot of people who have read uh, Feast and Dance as, you know, one book, uh, there's a great reading list um, that has been um, cobbled together by uh, Sean T. Collins, who's a, who's a great blogger um, in the in the Game of Thrones space. He, he cobbled together, you know, the reading order of the chapters in, in what is called Feast Dance. Um, and people who have used that reading order uh, rave about the experience. I haven't done it. I would really like to. Um, but I feel like the show is, you know, doing its own version of Feast Dance and it's paying off. Like, I, I feel like it, it really does prove just how many big moments were, were in these two books. It may not feel that way at the time, but when you look at them as one thing, it's, it's pretty evident. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. And the, the blindness thing, my one last note about it, it's yeah. interesting because I remember reading that in Feast and my jaw dropping and me being like, oh my God, Arya is blind. And we felt that way for six years. But then Dance came out and her first chapter was like, and then she wasn't blind. So that cliffhanger no longer has the same stakes for me. But I feel like if they do do that this season and leave it at that, that still would be a great cliffhanger. Yeah, I, I think that they'll, I think it'll happen midway through the yeah. season. Maybe, maybe towards the end, but not too far towards the end. I, yeah. I think we'll see that this season. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go to let's go to Volantis. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Tyrion from Matt Campbell. Tyrion's chapter at the brothel ending with him running into Jorah was a tough read and peak dark Tyrion. Is the change of Tyrion not able to go whoring intended to keep him as the most beloved character? Um, I actually, I don't remember in terrific detail that chapter. Um, I know that it does. Is it, isn't Jorah it's not just that he's admiring the the horror that looks like Daenerys. It's like, no, he's like, she's sitting on his lap. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in the show, I feel like um, more than anything, it feels like that's too far for show Jorah. Show Jorah is a lot sexier than book Jorah. Uh, and I, I feel like, you know, if you, if you have that with Jorah, you know, with, with, um, you know, the, the prostitute that looks like Danny, I think that that's probably just too far for show Jorah. I feel like, you I don't, think you it would have been fine. Like, I don't know. I don't, I just don't think like, you know, he's in love with Danny. I know, but I feel like, I feel like it's better for the show version of the character for him to kind of, um, you know, really be mourning Danny rather than kind of just like shelling out dragons to sleep with the mother of dragons, the lookalike. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, you know, I feel like the, the character that's written in the books is not as, I don't know, I don't want to say not as romantic, but I think that the character in the show is kind of like very outwardly a romantic type of figure. Uh, yeah. I feel like that maybe not, wouldn't have worked as well. But I mean, I really liked the way that they did that on the show. I'm, well, I'm, I think for Tyrion, having yeah. him not be able to be with her, like, I don't think that that it's simply to keep him beloved, but I think that in the books we can, 
are reading through his eyes and we can see he's a broken man. And this is the way the show is showing people he is broken. He is not the same Tyrion he used to be. And he's like lost something in killing Shay and his father that he didn't even realize was gone. And we see that happen here. So I thought it was like a very tender moment and very sad. It just made me sad for Tyrion. I don't think it made me like him more as like a fan favorite sort of thing. But I, I understood him in a new way after that moment. Yeah. Do you think that we're done with Varys for a while? Like, you know, Varys is not part of this in the books. Yeah. Varys is MIA. Varys only kind of reemerges when he kills Kevin Lannister. Um, is that going to happen? Like, uh, now that now that Tyrion and Jorah are together, is Varys just going to disappear from the show for a while and maybe he can resurface there with killing Kevin? Um, I feel or, like he's either going to resurface there or in Danny's storyline. Or but just, like, but do you think that it's going to be a while until we see him again? Yes, and I think for good reason. Like, I knew my coworkers who hadn't watched the screeners yet were like, when's Jorah going to show up again? Like, did the show forget about him? And I'm like, just wait. Uh, so I feel like they're probably going to do the same thing with Varys, where it's better not knowing where he is. Yeah. Uh, I wonder how Varys being in the Jorah and Tyrion storyline, how that would change anything. Like, would that make it better or worse? He operates from the shadows so much that to have him, like, in the light and meet Danny would be weird right wouldn't that just feel weird i don't know i just i don't see jorah and varus getting along too well i mean like they worked together kind of sort of from a distance you know but i feel like their personalities just wouldn't mesh at all not that like Tyrion and jorah are going to be bff or anything but like there's at least like a very um you know i i feel like the two of them you know they're already such polar opposites to have a third wheel on there really would feel like a third wheel having varus in the mix too so you know what i miss i just realized how much i miss it the like throne room powwow is between varus and Littlefinger. yeah good old days those were fun that that was fun i wonder if we'll ever get anything like that again probably not I'm, I'm gonna guess I feel probably like for not. good storytelling, it would be fun to have those two characters intersect. I don't know the how the they do that. I don't know how that happens. It'd be cool, well, but I just don't know. How. You, wait, but if Varys ends up in King's Landing and kills Kevin Lannister, and Littlefinger has to go back to King's Landing, maybe. Maybe it's possible. Maybe possible. That's my tinfoil moment. All right. Well, how about that? Um, let's talk about another thing that happened in Volantis that. Um, it was really interesting to me the the red priestess that we see. Um, what did you what did you make of the red priestess here, who's played by uh, Ryla Fukushima from The Wolverine from Arrow? She's a recognizable actress. Do you think that this is a character that we're going to see much of going forward? This is something I asked Rob on the feedback show, and I honestly I don't I don't know I don't I don't know if we'll see more or or, or anything of her, but I could see her being like a penny fill in maybe. Maybe not Penny, but maybe something. Um, who's that woman who um, Victorian travels with? You know, whoever and thinks. Oh well, there's there's oh, a um, sorry. There's a red priest this, named Makoro. No, I'm thinking the Septa who um, Jora and who Tyrion travel with. Who everyone thinks is. Um, oh, that's part of the Griff storyline. Right, but I wonder if she will replace that if she'll end up like traveling with them. To well, that again. that assumes that we have some sort of fill in, or you know, I just mean on yes. Jorah and and uh, Tyrion's journey to yeah. Danny. Um, so maybe, but I that's interesting. I knew she was recognizable, but didn't know where she was from. And I feel like you don't cast an actress like that for one 
quick cameo role. Yeah. What did you think of her staring at Tyrion? You know, I don't know. Well, it was so much fun. I was like, I don't know what to read into this. Well, so she's so she's, you know, singing the praises of Danny Targaryen. You know, she's talking about how Daenerys is the savior, the mother of dragons, which, you know, opens up a big can of worms as it is. Um, you know, it, it is the Lord of Light backing Danny is is Melisandre getting it wrong with Stannis. I think most people probably assume, yeah, she's getting it wrong with Stannis. Um, but, you know, is 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 this a sign that that the Lord of Light is on Team Danny? That's one Team Targaryen. And if if she's staring at Tyrion, is it because like she is seeing that Tyrion has an important role to play in whatever is coming up with Danny? That's what I read into it. Or do you want to put your tinfoil hat back on, Terry, and talk about the theory that we discussed during our podcast about the world of ice and fire that Tyrion is potentially? A Targaryen. Is this further clues that she's looking at a Targaryen, that she is seeing somebody with Targaryen blood, and that's why Maybe. she is looking at it. I like that idea. I honestly, like, that was one of those moments where I was like, mm, well, that's weird. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's brought up by Phil the Issues guy, again, who wrote, and what do you guys think about the red priestess we saw in the streets looking at Tyrion? Uh, was this a possible hint at his true parentage or something else? Um, I don't know. I, I Listen, I... If you haven't listened to our podcast on the world of ice and fire, and chances are, if you didn't listen to it intentionally, you listened to it accidentally <laughs> because it downloaded in our podcast feed instead of um, one of our regular podcasts a couple of weeks ago. Very sorry about that. Although the people who are listening to this probably don't mind. Um, but uh, if you haven't listened to that, you should listen to it. And Terry and I talk a lot about this idea that Tyrion could be a Targaryen and that the world of ice and fire, for me at least, really does kind of bring that theory into the light a little bit. Not that it's a, a slam dunk, this is happening type of thing, but it, I feel better about it than I did before. Uh, and so this, if you're, if you're a subscriber to the idea that Tyrion might secretly have Targaryen blood coursing through his veins, this moment where the Red Priestess is staring at him, I think kind of fuels those fires a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, but I could totally see that being what it is setting up. Uh, I sort of thought it was one of those, like, you have a big role to play. And like, I recognize there's something yeah, I, in you, but maybe yeah. she recognizes Targaryen in him. I think it could. I mean, I think it would be that either way. Um, and maybe it's only that, but it, yeah. could all, it, all, it also could be the, the Targaryen thing, which would be badass. Badass. That would be so badass. Um, all right. Let's. Um, is there much to talk about in King's Landing? I guess the High Sparrow thing. That Actually, is thing. no, the, not even High Sparrow, but the entire sequence from Tom and Marjorie's marriage through Marjorie and Cersei's showdown are my favorite moments from this episode. Wow. Like, I think Natalie Dormer is like, phenomenal which we already knew oh I, those, I agree with that those, sure. the scene where she is playing Tommen after their adorable wedding night um, when he has that conversation with Cersei and then when Cersei goes and talks to Marjorie and there's like this one moment where Cersei walks away she goes you know whatever you need walks away and before Marjorie turns back to her maidens where she just has this like look on her face and then yeah. she puts her happy face back on. And, and I like, I just love it. I love those moments when the acting in the show is so good. And I like, while there isn't much to talk about it from a book club perspective, because that's pretty much how that stuff happens in the book. Um, I just like, I thought it was great. Oh, and I also am totally on board with a 
I guess, fairly new realization for me, but seeing in the show really underlines it, that Tommen is the Balancar, that Tommen will end up being the person who kills Cersei. Whoa, wait, give, lay, lay this on me. I haven't, I haven't heard this before. I haven't heard this before? Okay, so Balancar means little brother. It doesn't say her little brother. It just says the little brother will. Or little, little sibling, right? Younger sibling. Little, younger sibling, yes, which we know Tommen is the younger sibling, younger brother of Joffrey and just seeing how Marjorie is playing Tommen and she's turning Tommen against Cersei. I'm totally on board with the idea that it's like not a sibling of Cersei, but actually one of her children who will kill her. And I could like definitely see it getting to the point where Tommen's like, mom, you're fucking nuts. Like you need to die. Um, Maybe, maybe he will turn into that sort of person, but that's my new theory. You like it? What do you think? Um, it's new. It's new to me. Uh, Tommen, I could see Tommen being responsible somehow indirectly for Cersei's death, but directly responsible is hard for me to picture how that plays out. I mean, um, he's like so innocent and sweet and Regency changes people. Like I could see him a season or two down the road, final season, like. I could see it being like not literal. Like I, I could see, you know, the part of the prophecy where Cersei's three kids are all going to be, you know, dead and covered in shrouds. I could see that happening. I could see it that Tommen is the last to die and um, like his death, you know, sends Cersei into an early grave or something like that. Maybe. Like I, I could see something like that, but for Tommen to, you know, be the hand that, uh, that ends, I like it though. I like show Tommen way better than book. Tommen, oh, show Tommen's great. Like, yeah. Um, what, what do you like better? Do you like him as uh, Tom and Baratheon, or do you like him better when he was uh, when he was that rando Lannister cousin? What do you mean? You don't even know this. The actor who played Tom and was um, oh, I forget his name off the top of my head, but he's the he's no. the he was the he was the Lannister cousin that uh that Rickard Karstark uh killed. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, it's the same actor. Really? Yeah, go look at that. That's super funny. You're not getting pastored. It's the truth. That's um, funny. Uh, let's let's talk about what did you think of the the High Sparrow stuff? Did you like the High Sparrow? I feel like I don't. Know, I think it's all just build up. I can't wait until we see the real the real High Sparrow when he like spins this all on Cersei because she totally thinks she has this. Yeah, he seems like, like such a nice guy right now. Yeah, and like we know that he's got motivations and one thing that bugged me is like why would she think that Lancel wouldn't have told him everything awful that she has done right like that doesn't seem it's because Cersei's kind of dumb right yeah like just a little bit at least at least a little bit in my mind I was like like you are the worst sinner of everyone but I guess that's all just set up for where it's going I think so too um speaking of crazy theories have you heard this one? This is from Brendan Fitzpatrick, who asked us if we can discuss one of his favorite crackpot Reddit theories from the book, huh. which is that the High Sparrow is Howland Reed. Oh, I've heard that theory. What is it? Because this is this is new to me. I just saw this today from Brendan. Do you have any idea of, of where this comes from? Um, I think it's no, not necessarily beyond the fact that people consider Howland a mystery don't, and we've never seen him. Don't people just think Howland Reed is everywhere? Yeah, I like, like Eddard Stark is secretly is secretly Howland Reed, and Jon Snow is probably actually Howland Reed's son. I mean, like Cersei's Howland Reed. I would Jock and Hagar is Howland Reed. Or well, Howland that one I would Jock buy. Yeah, that one's. Um, yeah, I mean, I've heard it, and I'm, I'm. It would be awesome, uh, but 
yeah, I don't really know the basis of it or if there's actual evidence in the books that yeah. supports it. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, if you if you guys Google high Septon and Howland Reed, you'll be taken to um, a thread on the Westeros.org forum that gives you like a big rundown of what it all means. I haven't gotten into it. It just seems crazy to me. Uh, Let's but, read it. That'll be our, our book. club. That's, that's your book club, book club homework. Um, yeah, give give that a shot. And Brent, Brendan Fitzpatrick, he seems like uh, you seem like you're all about this one, Brendan. I don't know. I don't know if I'm following you down this rabbit hole quite yet um before we wrap up let's can we can we rewind actually to to the red priestess in volantis real quick because this was something that i that i wanted to bring up but i i'd forgotten to and thank thank god we're doing this as a live show because remgar uh remgar just tweeted at us rem says is no one going to bring up the second grayscale mention of the season Tyrion in volantis uh grayscale doesn't get brought up again if it's not important somehow did you catch that too um, in yes. this in this scene where Tyrion is observing the Red Priestess, he and, mentions the Stone Man. Yeah, he mentions that she's talking about the Stone Man and brings up Grayscale, and that's the second time that Grayscale has been brought up on the show. And we know in the books, John Connington uh, is going to be afflicted with Grayscale, and he's in Westeros. Um, but also, there are theories that Tyrion it might have happened to Tyrion. Right, it's possible, and it's just like not showing signs yet. Um, yeah. Is Grayscale is this going to be a big deal on the show? You think? I don't, I mean, I'm, I think on their journey, they'll have to pass the stone. Man. I feel like it's gotta be something that happens. They don't drop two references for no reason. My question is who is it going to affect since John Connington isn't in this season? Could it be Jorah? It could be Jorah. That seems like a decent bet, right? You know, Jorah is kind it of John Connington. Something to do, yeah, yeah. Uh, could be him, or it could be Tyrion if Tyrion does have it. But in the, in the books, yeah. he's showing no signs of having it. Uh, I sort of feel like he he might have grayscale in the books. I like. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't. But at the same time, I would be on board with the theory that he does. So that like that would be a dark turn for his character. But we know Shireen survived it, so maybe he'll just be even more malformed. Yeah, who knows? Uh, But that was cool. That was really cool that that got brought up again. It did kind of make me think, oh, oh, we might be doing this. Yeah. That'd be fun because I I have no idea where that's going in the books. Like, it's just like one more thing. One more thing to throw at all these people that they have to contend with is grayscale of all things. Like, great. But it's like cool word. More like grayscale. That's just great. Um, yeah. You know, it's uh, it, it's it's something that I just I don't know where that's going in the book. So to have that on the show must mean it's important in the books. Um, so that's cool. I like yeah. that. Big fan of that. Um, Terry, anything else from the episode or should we start wrapping up here? No, I think we pretty much hit all this stuff. I will offer a tease that my favorite scene in the whole season thus far is in next week's episode. Oh, snap. And all we're right. going to have so much to talk about from it. I'm so excited. I've been waiting for what feels like my entire life for this moment. Really? So next week is going to be a big one for book club. Yeah. Next week, I might just like commandeer the whole episode and make us talk about this one scene. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, So as we said, next week's book club, it's not going to be live. So if you only watch us on YouTube, you should subscribe to the audio feed. That way you will make sure that you are going to get what we're going to do next week. Post your recaps.com slash GOT iTunes. You'll subscribe to our Game of Thrones iTunes feed and you'll be able to listen to the audio only book club uh, week four of book club. Get your questions in, write them in GOT at postshowrecaps.com postshowrecaps.com slash feedback. You can leave us voicemails postshowrecaps.com slash voicemail. Tweet your questions to Terry and I. Terry's at Terry underscore Schwartz. I'm at Round Howard like Ron Howard but rounder. Um, Terry, do we have a hashtag from this week? Oh, I had one earlier. 
And now I don't. There's hashtag great scale. Hashtag great scale. Yeah. Uh, it's not so great scale if great scale. I loved all the jerk and her gherkin messages we got after last year, last week. They, every time I got one, it just made my day that much brighter. And our Ermagerd jerk and her gherkin yeah, Jessica, Jessica Lee's killed it. That was amazing. Yeah, that was that was the winning one. Sorry that was that was the best one. Ermagur, Jerk and Hager. Uh, yeah, that so, was that was pretty spectacular. Thank you, thank you all for making my life better yeah. with those. That was great. All right, so hopefully we have made your lives just a tiny bit better. Uh, hopefully not worse, at least uh, with this week's episode of Game of Thrones Book Club. I think that we had a lot to dig into, Terry, and it sounds like we'll have even more next week. That's really exciting to me. So get your questions in. Keep an ear out. Sometime next week, this podcast will drop on our Game of Thrones iTunes feed. Uh, Until then, everybody, take care. Bye. Bye.